0: stories. Back home, you used to be known for storytelling. Not the wild and unbridled force of creation that builds and destroys entire worlds in moments, that fearsome superpower. Though you have that too, but that is for you, and you alone thus far, and you haven't gotten the courage to share it. But rather, the ability to retell a memory in the most entertaining way possible. People seem to like it when you took your memories, pieces of yourself, and told them as a story. Back home they did, at least. At school, your roommate mutters something about not sharing so much personal information as she turns her socks inside out. In the classroom, where you can never quite remember what you've learned, but you always leave with more stories creeping about in your mind. Occasionally, students listen, with a gaze just a little too sharp. The feeling of more eyes than you can see on your back. But storytelling is in your blood. It's part of who you are, and so you tell your stories. Happy ones, funny ones. Tales of adventure and mischief that you thought were mundane until you grew older. Actually, compared to elsewhere, they are mundane. There's one story you haven't told yet. One that everyone in your family pretends not to know. It's the tale of why you came to Elsewhere, the tale of the thing you saw as a child that took your cousin when the two of you played in a forest and promised to return for you. Why you decided to go to the college upstate and not attend the local university. You thought you were escaping the madness. Sometimes you see the shadows at the corner of the stairwell and hear horns on the quad at night and wonder if you left from the frying pan to the fire it's why you twine iron wire through your curls in decorative spires and carry salt packets sewn into your clothes and carry old things from your grandmothers that you aren't sure will help you but grandmothers can be so very stubborn you started to hear things on campus students who disappear and come back different if they come back at all or other students who make the brave but foolish journey underhill to rescue one of their own. Everything you've learned since coming here suggests that asking about this is pointless, if not outright dangerous, but at the same time, you can't help wondering if they'd know anything about the thing that took your cousin. You know that one day you'll find one of the students who made it there and back again, and when you do, you'll tell your story. Close to autumn, you find yourself in one of the thin places on campus. It was an accident, you were simply too preoccupied with an upcoming exam to notice the air turn unseasonably warm and humid, and before you know it, you've walked three times the length of what the hall should have been, and each time you find yourself back at the lockers, the air is warmer, heavier, and the ground is softer. Somehow, you instinctively understand that you must keep moving. To stop here would be a grave mistake so you keep walking and the air feels like the breath of something huge and moist and you're pretty sure there's mud squelching beneath your feet now but you really don't want to look it's when you do look that the tiles soft as mud and unyielding as stone swallow your feet to the ankles and you are trapped you curse your foolishness in three different languages two of which are fictional and one of which was invented by you this one feels stronger and when you say Flames take it, you can almost feel a spark of phantom heat by your legs and hear something laugh in the darkness. You are stuck, it says. You demand to be set free, even as you twine a strand of iron wrapped around your hair and clutch your necklace. From your grandmother a tiny bottle filled with salt and mustard seeds. You're not sure if mustard seeds have any significance or if she just liked them and try to look anywhere but the shifting, oily shadows that smell of dust and moss. You suspect that demanding anything from one of them will be a fruitless endeavor, but you're frightened now and the liquid tile is sucking you down further. It's up to your knees here. It occurs to you that you might die like this, that you might disappear just like your cousin and all those other students disappeared. What will you give me? it asks. Before you can think, you answer, a story. There's a bubbling silence before it makes a hiss that sounds too pleased to mean anything good. Yes, it says, a story, but I've heard all yours. Make it one I haven't heard before. This is tricky. The wrong story might mean death, and when it says it's heard all your stories. It probably wasn't an exaggeration. You could tell it one of your original tales, the stories of pirates and dragons and giants, but those feel too personal. There's too much of you in those stories, and that is your world with your characters. You can't help feeling a bit protective of them. That just leaves the story. So you tell it a story about two children playing in a wood, about a thing like a skinless horse with the torso of a man grafted onto its back, about fleeing in terror as the thing chased you both through the trees and your cousin's squeal of fright as it grabbed him, just missing you as you splashed across the shallow creek. You go into greater detail than you ever have before, telling it things you didn't even tell your family before they called the police. You remember the color of the thing's rolling eyes and glistening muscle. You remember the way its head seemed to wobble back and forth like it was attached to the wrong body. You remember it promising that water would not always save you. You remember knowing that running water might be the answer even if you don't have the question it goes to yet. You didn't want to tell this story, but you can't stop the words now no matter how you try. All is silent when you finish your tale, and for a moment you fear you were talking to the air. Then, with a slurp, the tiles spit you back out again, and you're standing on solid ground. That is a good story, it says. I think I'll keep it. With these cryptic words and directions to simply follow the hallway, he leaves you, and you find yourself running all the way to the stairwell. You thank your lucky stars that you got out none the worse for wear, and you're astonished that you managed it at all. When you tell your roommate, she's concerned. What did you give them in exchange for their help, she asks you. Just a story, you answer. Which story? You have a million. It was the one about... And you stop. Not because you never decided whether or not to tell your roommate... Not because you're preoccupied or distracted, no. The words wedge in your throat, sticking to the back of your tongue, coating your tonsils like thick dust. They won't come out. For a moment, you're afraid that you might not be able to speak at all. So you try to tell a different story and that comes out loud and clear. But when you try to explain again that you told the story of how something took your cousin away, perhaps Underhill, if not someplace worse, your tongue seems to shrivel in your mouth and the words lodge in the soft parts of your throat like little needles. That's a good story. I think I'll keep it. It isn't your story to tell anymore. For once, words do not obey you. Your roommate sees your rising panic, sees the tears welling up in your eyes and takes pity on you. Tell me a different story, she says. A made-up one. She used to scold you about telling stories all the time, so at first, you don't understand what she's doing. Then she asks, what story didn't you tell? The rather obvious wink when she says this gives you an idea. Words are your tools, and they always have been. Until today, they have always obeyed you. You know how to make a truth sound like a lie and a lie like truth. And so... You carefully craft a lie so close to the truth, using characters so close to being you and your cousin, that you are sure your roommate understands. Forever after this, you season your stories with lies in case you must trade them, so that the truth remains yours to tell. You learn to say nearly anything and keep it just close enough to fact to fool someone. You don't realize that you're learning to talk like them until you find one trapped in the snare An upperclassman set near the library, all salt and iron. It yells like a cat and screams like a child in its three-hand scrabble for purchase. It wants out, you know this. You cock your head and say, What will you give me if I release you? It's only fair, you think. A story for a story. You're playing a dangerous game. This is by Radioactive Peasant. It is set in the universe of Elsewhere University.